Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Lee Edwards. Hope you're well. Hope you've had a good week. And it's been an interesting week in the National League and also the FA Trophy, which we will cover later on. Joining me to review all the action, it is, as always, Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And also with us, we have Rob Laurel. Hiya, Rob. Hi, Luke. Hi, Chris. And also joining us, it is Dickie Wharton. He's back. Hiya, Dickie. Hi, Luke. Good to see you again. He's risen from the ashes of COVID, haven't you, Dickie? <laughs> I have indeed, yeah. I've had a, a bit of a nasty spell with it over the last couple of weeks. But yeah, recovery now. You might be able to hear in my voice a little bit. I thought you were getting emotional being back on, Dickie. Well, it it could be one or the other. You take your pick which, which one suits you best. So we'll go, we'll skirt quickly back to Monday evening when Stockport County played in the third round of the FA Cup. They took on... West Ham United and um, briefly Chris it was a really a really spirited performance by Stockport they got into the game as it as they went on and I know certainly on the TV coverage they were saying do you know what they could do it here and then just that bit of quality from a set piece um, did the damage in the end yeah it was a great game it was a great occasion um, obviously it would have been better if there was uh, you know 10,000 fans at Edgeley Park which is what you might have got if it was uh, if if fans were allowed in but it was a fantastic occasion anyway and you know just turning up there was BBC Sport were there BT were there everyone was there the national press were there the press benches were overflowing and it was a great occasion and on the pitch as you say um, Stockport County did great credit to themselves and um it certainly didn't feel like there was that much, that huge a gap between the between the two sides. And as the game wore on, it looked like um, they might have taken them to uh, to extra time. And as you say, it was a bit of quality. It was a fantastic cross, great header um, that uh, that secured the victory. But um, you know, Stockport County certainly didn't feel like they were um, really overawed by the occasion or by the team. It had a bit of everything, didn't it, as well, Chris? Horrendous weather conditions. The pitch was cutting up. We had that that firework uh, stoppage. It, it was it was such a, it was a strange night in that way as well, wasn't it? It was it was a strange night to be involved in. Yeah, it was. And um, in terms of the weather conditions, the it also didn't help County. I don't think either because there were a couple of times. I think Richie Bennett got clear of the defence. Um, with about 15 minutes to go. And as he was getting clear, the ball held up in a, in a great big puddle. So um, it wasn't just West Ham that, that it hindered. I think one of the things that, that stood out for me, though, was when you're actually at the game, watching some of these um, Premier League stars play. I mean, Declan Rice, I don't know whether it came across on the, on BT Sport, was immense. And do you know what? West Ham had a lot of players in that team who rolled the sleeves up and just got stuck in on a really on a really bad pitch it was chucking it down and I can think of a lot of Premier League teams who wouldn't have done that but unfortunately for County they came across a team that of good honest um, professionals who were prepared to do that and um, ultimately they obviously uh, got the winner in the end. I know one thing as well on the coverage you would Disappointed about from a Stockport point of view, Robbie Savage especially was mentioning about Stockport set pieces, especially corners. He said they just weren't good enough, really. And he said you could see Jim Gannon's frustration in that. Yeah, you'd like to think that that would be uh, the threat in these games. Um, 
of a non-league team taking on a, a Premier League team. Um, the set pieces weren't great. They were disappointed they conceded from a header, but I've watched that goal back on, on telly and you see how far um, Dawson came from. It was it was a really difficult goal to, to have prevented. And uh, County did create a few chances, but they weren't from the, the sort of avenues that you would expect from, from set pieces and, and what have you. But... Look, I think overall they came out with with huge credit and I think um, it was a game that would have given them a taste of wanting to really be back in that uh, football league now. Yeah, and after the game, Chris caught up with Jim Gannon to get his thoughts. So, Jim, what an occasion tonight and just unfortunate that uh, that goal snuck in at the end. Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, they stretched us to the maximum and won a corner as that, they've done it quick and put a great ball in, great physical presence. So you always feared that, that level of quality from them. Um, but I thought, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough way to lose a game and we, we are, the players are naturally disappointed with the outcome. But isn't that a sign of how far they've come in terms of the fact that they're disappointed to lose 1 0 to a Premiership side? Um, um, so I think when the dust settles, they'll, they'll be very proud of what they've achieved and how, how much, how competitive we're and how close they came to creating a cup shot a surprise. Now with 15 minutes to go, I had down that you had more shots on target and more corners than the Premier League side, and you more than matched them. Yeah, I don't think either keeper was really worked that hard, and, and, and you know we were a little bit disappointed with the quality of our set plays. You know we worked really hard on them this season. We were quite high scorers from corners. Um, the winning goal at Rochdale was a corner. Um, we worked a set play against Yeovil, so they're really important because sometimes it's the, the best opportunity to get an organised attack and deliver with composed quality. So I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't stretch them more, but. Again, I'm, I'm watching them against Everton and Southampton and uh, they're resilient, they're strong, they've got big powerful players, they're well organised. Um, uh, so in that sense, um, you know, we ask questions of them um, and they ask questions of us. And uh, like I said, f- you know, considering that they, they had to put on their subs, their first team eventually from Everton was on the pitch. Um, just so it shows you the respect that David's taken this competition and ourselves and how far we pushed them. And from here, you must have a taste of this. I mean, there's not nothing stopping this club getting in the football league now. Yeah, well, look, uh, there's there's 22 other national league teams and a relentless program of matches, and and uh, you know, uh, hopefully, this is a sign of what the quality that's in the national league. And um, you know, it's it's a, probably a disappointment for people at this level, uh, and maybe in the game that there's only one or two teams that come up because we could re- there's lots of clubs at this level can enhance the league. Um, and you know we, we compete better than some of the teams there. You only have to look at the journey that the Lincolns, the Fleetwoods, the Tranmere's have gone on uh, to know that there's quality in this level that can go a lot, a, on a great journey. But we, we have to be respectful to this level. We found it tough against teams this year um, that will make it difficult for us the way we did to West Ham. So we've got a tough programme coming up. It's going to be a real, real demanding period for us. But hopefully the professionals and the newfound uh, quality and professionalism that we've got this season will see us through and we'll be extremely competitive as each month rolls by. And that was Jim Gannon, who was, who was rather philosophical about it all. And you saw them again on Saturday, didn't you, this time in FA Trophy action when they played Notts County? Yeah, t- tough draws, eh? I mean, getting uh, West Ham in the FA Cup and then pulling out uh, Notts County for the trophy. But yeah, yesterday it was a it was a really close game. Um, it could have gone either way. At the end, it looked like um, Stockport County were going to go on and win it. Richie Bennett missed an absolute sitter to uh, to to, which would probably have been the winner if it had gone in with about five minutes to go. 
Carl Wilson, who had to come on for Enzo Baldwin, um, who had a facial injury, came on. He bought a ticket. He smashed one from about 25 yards. It took a massive deflection. It left um, Josh, uh, Josh Barnes, who was in net. So used to saying Ben Hinchcliffe, who was in net for uh, Stockport County. He was just stood still and it just went in the bottom corner. So it was really unfortunate. Um, and um, yeah, County go out of two cup competitions in uh, in a week, but both with decent performances. Just a quick one on that, um, Chris. It's interesting you said that you know you know that Notts County had to bring on Carl Wharton. What a lovely thing to be able to do towards the end of the game to bring on a quality striker such as Wharton, and ultimately, uh, you know, when these good quality strikers who he'll get his fifteen twenty goals in the National League this season come on to a game in the last 15-20 minutes. They end up, they know, don't they? Defenders, even good defenders, reasonably fit defenders, they're going to be tiring. Um, and, and that's a lovely string to their bow to be, to, to be able to bring on. What did you think, Chris, of the two squads, if you like, yesterday? I mean, we've talked often about these two sides in the long game, being the two most likely to contest the title. In terms of what they had on the bench and, and what they had on the pitch, how did you weigh them up? There's obviously not a lot between them. No, there's very little between them. And um, Cam- uh, Notts County put a really strong bench out. They've made uh, a few changes, but we've got to remember they hadn't played for 19 days as well. So um, they, they had a, a few players, first team players, obviously for starters, who will be playing. County made seven changes after the, the team from uh, from Monday night. But looking at the overall quality of the squads, um, and no bias, you know, I obviously I cover Stockport County. It does look like those two squads are two of the strongest in the division. And you would expect, all things being equal, we get to the end of the season. Um, I think you'd expect those two. Um, they should be in the top four on the on the strength of the the squads uh, that they do have. It will have been a bitter disappointment to Stockport County to have gone out of that cup yesterday, won't it? Big, big difference. Monday night, the big game, you've got the Premier League club in town. You lose 1-0, you equip yourselves well, everybody's fine. And then five days to prepare for a game against one of your toe-to-toe rivals in the National League in the FA Trophy, uh, who haven't played for 19 days or whatever. You, they would have been, not expecting or banking, but very, very keen to win that one. Yeah, I think it's an interesting interesting question. It's, it sort of opens up a, a wider debate about the, the FA Trophy this season because, yeah, of course, it's a game of football and, of course, they, they wanted to win it. And um, in his club interview, you know, Jim Gannon did, did allude to that, but he also mentioned... Uh, about the uh, the sort of FA Trophy this season and the season that started late, um, you know, trying to uh, having to postpone league fixtures and stuff to to get the uh, the FA Trophy on. So it's a difficult one for me to answer that one. And I think um, I spoke to Neil Adley here here after the game as well about what does the FA Trophy mean to um, mean to Notts County, and you'll hear what he says about it uh, later. Um, I think it was a great opportunity to give his 18-man squad um, 90 minutes and absolutely they would have wanted to win the game in the end. But when they wake up this morning and they're not in the FA Trophy and they can concentrate on the league, they might be thinking it's it's not that bad. Mm. It's an interesting one. It's an eternal debate, isn't it? 
Equally, um, Notts County, they made the semi-finals of the FA Trophy last year. They were one game away um, from the final that still hasn't been played, (laughs) Um, which is a crazy situation. Yeah, in a chaotic season, there probably are more benefits to concentrating on the league, Chris, than there normally are. So I'll go with you on that. Yeah, and as Chris said, he caught up with Neil Hardley after the game. A good win in the end. Yeah, I thought it was an end-to-end game. I thought we controlled large spells of the first half. I thought we 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 you know we were probably the better team in the first half. I thought second half, you know, they they attacked us with a bit more pace, and, and there was probably a few breakaways we could have done better with, where they had some great chances. Goalkeepers had to make a couple of great saves. Um, so I thought it was a little bit more end-to-end second half, and could have gone either way. But I think probably me and Jim. Left what we both wanted we probably both teams wanted to go for the win and see if we could settle it in in uh, in the 90 minutes they haven't played for 18 or 19 days so it was a really important encounter for you yeah and that's what I thought I thought the game got a little bit stretched second half we you know probably the same with them we've got quite a few players who who haven't played many minutes this season let alone haven't played for the last 19 20 days so um, I, I thought we got you know we started to get a little bit tired last 15 but it was important because we're going to need everybody in the, in the coming weeks in terms of the competition, I mean, you've played a semi-final in it recently this season. What what does the FA Trophy mean to Notts County? Well, I think we want to try and get momentum and win games. We want to play games because, you know, we've more than ever this season, we've had too many Saturdays where we've been sitting at home. So, um, you know, if this means that we've got another fixture to rearrange, then so be it. We'll, you know, we'll get the squad together and we'll, we'll battle on through it. And, uh, you know, the closer you get to it, the closer you get to a chance of Wembley and uh, and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll keep going with it. League action's coming thick and fast soon as well. Um, hopefully you'll be uh, playing a lot more games. <laughs> yeah, that's the aim, obviously. Um, you know, and we look like we'll be Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for a couple of weeks. And then I think we have a week's break and then we've got another five or six weeks with it. So it's, it's great. The boys, you know, we've trained enough now. We've had so many days training. I'm running out of sessions in my coaching book to, to put on now. <laughs> so uh, we're, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start to play the games, hopefully, and, and we'll enjoy playing them and hopefully try and build some momentum. Cheers now. Thank you. Some really interesting comments from Neil Hardley there, wasn't there, Chris? Obviously, he's keen to win it. And also, uh, a big thing for him was getting a game after 19 days. And it was it was a good game to have as well, because even though it wasn't a league game, it's against a strong side. He could get his squad up to speed, ready for the upcoming league fixtures. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, with such a long gap, and I mean, let's face it, you, you don't know when you're going to have a gap again either. Um, so it was a great opportunity for him to, to get his squad moving and get them out and uh, get them going. Um, he was very complimentary, actually, about the state of the pitch and, um, you know, the way that, that Stockport had approached it because the pitch obviously got a battering on the Monday night. And uh, he felt that, um, you know, both sides tried to play football. Both sides, it was it was touch and go. Um, it was end-to-end, end-to-end at times. And, you know, he, he was able to give some of his squad squad players a game as well. But, um, no, I think you heard what he said about the trophy. It does, um, it is something that they are, not so much targeting, but they're, they're obviously interested in, in progressing in. Other teams looking to progress. Well, there was a lot of shocks around yesterday or a lot of games that didn't go the way you think they'd go. I mean, one that did go to form was Sutton against Dagenham and Redbridge. That was 3-1 to Sutton. Uh, Kings Lynn would a surprise one. I mean, I saw Jeff Brazier uh, doing his best Wurzel Gummidge impression at Hornchurch on, on VT score. He had his hair flowing with a, a like 
strange black hat on. Anyway, uh, Kingsland took the lead in that one, but they were pegged back by their their lower league opponents, Hornchurch, and eventually lost on penalties and finished with 10 men as well. And um, I know Kingsland obviously will be targeting staying up, but they'll be disappointed to have gone out of that competition, won't they? They they will. Um, they're playing at the highest level they've played, and 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 because they play at that level, they could just justifiably say that with a good draw and a good progression, they they, they could um, have Wembley in their sights. There's nothing to say that they couldn't have reached it. Um, probably for a completely flip uh, flip this one round and come up with the same conclusions as Chris just did for Stockport County Kings Lynn. They've done all right. They've done okay, haven't they? First uh, three months or so of the uh, National League season, they've they've gathered a reasonable amount of points. But they're 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 going to have to be on it for the whole season to to ensure that they don't get uh, dragged into any trouble and uh, to establish themselves at this level, so they can focus fully on that now. Do you know what was interesting about this game, Luke? Um, so first of all, the sending off didn't really affect it because it was right towards the, the end of the game. That was uh, Rory McCauley got sent off with uh, with a few minutes to go. Um, you don't see many many penalty shootouts where one team misses all their penalties and the other team scores all their penalties. So Kingsley, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kingsley, Adam Marriott missed, Michael Gash missed. I mean. Who would think that? <laughs> you know, you wouldn't put money on those, both of those missing their penalties. And then Cameron King um, missed the third. And apparently they were all saved by Joe Wright as well, um, the, the Hornchurch keeper. Um, so, <laughs> crazy penalty shootout. And, and obviously, Hornchurch are, play, are in a division that aren't even playing football at the moment. So, that just uh, that really adds to to the, um, the fantastic shock value of that. And lastly... It's probably going to cost them money to play in the next round because they've got to make sure all the players are still there and um, they're going to have to apply for a special license for them to be able to train and all that sort of stuff. So great achievement for that for that side. It's funny you mention that, Chris, because that's something Jeff Brazier was talking about. He said he was talking to the Horn Church chairman and he said, um, "What would you rather do? Would you rather get knocked out so you don't have to pay the wages or get through?" And he said, "Oh, definitely get through." So he's uh, he's happy to to foot the bill for the next um, couple of weeks while they uh, they go on their little trophy run. But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? At the minute, Hornchurch, the only games they've played since November are FA Trophy games. Absolutely, uh, Luke, and um, you know it's good to know. I think when you are when when you ask a chairman, assuming he was answering honestly, that's the point when you breathe a sigh of relief and think he's in it for footballing reasons and, uh, and not for any other. Um, I think as good a time as any really to mention uh, with that uh, tremendous achievement for Hornchurch who are not playing football at the moment exactly the same thing with another one um, Peterborough Sports not playing football at the level that they're at at the moment and going to Bath City and winning 1-0 what a magnificent result I think the biggest result probably in uh, in the club's history they've progressed a little bit in the FA Cup over the last couple of seasons haven't they Peterborough Sports but they're really starting to make a mark now yeah, I know they beat they beat Boston, didn't they, a couple of seasons ago away in the FA Cup. But yeah, um, talking of Boston, it was an ex-Boston man, Mark Jones, who scored that one. He's been around the block at, in Lincolnshire, uh, at Lincolnshire teams, and, and doing the business at a local team of yours, Rob. And yeah, Bassett will be really, will be really stung by that. They'll have fancied the chances and uh, on goal Peterborough. Yeah, exactly, and uh, be interesting to to see the draw, to see who Peterborough Sports get. Uh, and that was uh, obviously a long way for them to go. Um, they might be hoping that they get a home tie in the next round. Let's see. Uh, and while we're on the shocks, um, doff our caps to Darlow. 
um, going all the way down to Weymouth. That's as long a journey as you probably would have got yesterday. And coming away with a, a 1-0 win, Will Hatfield getting the goal uh, right on half-time. Uh, again, another side that isn't pulling up trees in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, you would have thought uh, that probably would have been a home win yesterday, but it wasn't to be. And uh, Weymouth, another team to which we can roll out that wonderful cliche, concentrate on the league. Yeah, what what a trip that is. Wow, that probably was the longest trip of the competition, wasn't it? It's certainly in this round. Yeah. Look, Darlington have, have had a few, haven't they, this season? They keep getting drawn away against sides that are absolutely miles and miles away. Now, I know a lot of places are miles away from Darlington, but, uh, you know, real significant journeys. I thought I thought it was interesting that I was trying to find um, Alan Armstrong's post-match um, comments on that one, and it was, it was on a Zoom call from the coach. So I'm presuming that they jumped on the coach pretty much as soon as that. No showers, lads. Straight on the coach, back to... Uh, Back to Darlington for that six-hour six-hour trip, and, and Will Hatfield, Luke. I don't know whether you remember a couple of seasons ago seeing him score an absolute screamer against Cambridge United in the FA Cup for Geisley. So uh, at that sort of level, he's a fantastic player, and he's uh, he's definitely a cup man, isn't he? But Dickie, yeah, what a, a really long trip and a fantastic win that for Darlington in the end. And as Chris said. The, the funny thing was Alan Armstrong actually did his post-match press conference on the bus via Zoom. <laughs> You'd want to get cracking back from, from Weymouth if you're heading all the way back to the northeast. I think it was another one of those um, games where the, the, the Darlington fans had actually helped to crowdfund for um, the travel expenses potentially for the team because it's 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 a really, really long trip. So, But yeah, rewarded with a, a terrific result. Will Hatfield... With a goal, he's he's such an important player for them. He joined them from Guysley about eighteen months ago now, and he's he's the captain at Darlington. And he, yeah, he leads by example. He, uh, so much of the play goes through him, and 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 it's a great result for them now. And they'll they'll be, um, you know, we're still a few steps away from Wembley, but I think Darlington will win us there in something about 2012, 2013. Um, the old club, so they'll they'll be fancying a return, I would think. A game you saw, Rob. Uh, Aldershot weren't playing. Um, due to COVID-related issues, I presume. I presume. Um, yeah, it was. Aldershot are back now from uh, from their self-isolation, but Solihull Moors were still in isolation for a couple more days. And interestingly, whereas a lot of teams have had to uh, forfeit their place in cup competitions this season, there is a rule that if a game can be postponed, can be postponed as long as it's played within five days. And that is why the game's been moved to Tuesday. And I understand it's exactly the same reason uh, for Woking, who should have played yesterday in the FA Trophy. I forget who they were due to play, sorry. Uh, but that game is also going to be on uh, Tuesday night now. Interestingly, Altrincham had their game called off because of, of COVID in the Altrincham camp, but that's been a, a class as a walkover from what I can see. So haven't a lot to even progress. Yeah, Luke, I, I looked into that one and um, there's a really great statement on the on the Altrincham website, actually, really well-written um, statement that explains all the reasons why they had to, that had to be a walkover uh, yesterday. Um, and I quote this, they did say the, the Altrincham bosses desperately tried to salvage the tie, but because of that, um, that sort of five-day rule, they had a COVID positive in the camp and it just was impossible really to to have played it within that period because of the uh, the isolation time and and all that sort of thing. Um, they did say that for a variety of reasons, the, their only option really was to send a reserve or a youth team down to um, down to Haven. 
but it wasn't really feasible because they haven't really been getting game time. So they would have been stringing together a team that, I mean, it wouldn't have really been a competition. I don't think was the was the implication of of what they were saying. Um, you've also got a factor in the fact that some people might say this doesn't matter, but the fact that the, the expense of, of of getting down there with with that team. And um, in the end, it sounds like they just had to. They, the hands were tied, and they, they had to make that decision to, you know, to hand the tie, uh, hand the tie over, which they'll be really gutted about because they're on a great run as well at the moment. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But do you think what's the consensus, boys, between us three? If it had been known that there'd be a second, a third wave, that there would be new strains of the virus coming out. Do you think it might have been a more dissent, sensible decision this season to, to not bother with the Cups and just try and get the league done? How do you feel about that? That's a, that's a really interesting question, isn't it, Rob? And it's something that um, some of the Step 3 and Step 4 divisions are done with their um, sort of FA Cups. Their sort of, I'm thinking of the, the Manchester FA. Yeah, 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 the League Cups and things like that. The Cancelled them this season for that very reason. Now, in the end, it looks like those divisions are probably going to be um, cancelled anyway um, this season. But, I mean, the implication of some of the things that, that Jim Gannon was saying on his club interview yesterday um, and that sort of thing, I think for the Premier teams, they would they would say definitely. I'm not sure for the for the uh, for the the North and the South teams, because obviously the, the financial reward and things like that is, is much greater to them. Um, but in a season where you don't know when you're going to have to squeeze fixtures in, it does seem it might have been a good decision not to hold it this year, especially as the final from the previous year hasn't yet been played. What mm. I would say, what I would say though, it is like, it's, um, this is seen as like the non-league FA Cup. So if you're going to cancel the FA Trophy, the argument would be, well, you've got to cancel the FA Cup as well and nobody would want the FA Cup cancelled. So I don't think you can have one FA competition and not the other. Can you imagine like Phil Annett if, if the FA Cup was, if the FA Cup was actually, uh, I mean, you sort of, it's, it's got to that stage now, isn't it? You think about the FA Cup and you think about Phil Annett, Mr. FA Cup fact farm. He'd be in isolation he, for a year, wouldn't he? He would have literally gone into hibernation, isolation, everything. No, he wouldn't. What he'd have done, he's a, he would have dug, dug deeper and, and got some even more fascinating facts about historical FA Cups. But uh, now, all joking part, it's a serious, it's a serious business and uh, it's, it's awful. I know we don't cover that but you boys are uh, you know do do personally cover some step three step four football and uh it's it's tragic really what's happening for those clubs it's really really desperate times and as far as the players at those levels well I guess you've got a bit of an 80-20 rule haven't you 80% of them now um are without that part of their lives and without that um in that wage, that income, and, and there probably have been a fortunate, the better perhaps 20% that have used the situation um, to to reach up and probably become part of a squad at a higher level. And, uh, you know, there will be some winners amongst that, but uh, sadly not, not, not too many of them. Yeah, a game you ended up covering was Maidstone against Darkin and it sounded a, an entertaining affair. It was entertaining from start to finish. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I'll be honest with you, boys. I had a few issues with the stream. And when they're coming to you from radio every five or ten minutes for an update, 
Um, It's a bit chaotic, especially if it's just buffered at the wrong time. Um, What what I witnessed was an impressive Dorking side who will equip themselves well, I think, at National League level next year when they inevitably get there. But they did something that the manager, Mark White's quoted, they've done two or three times this season. They so they go onto the pitch just thinking they can out-football teams, but sometimes you've got to take care of the match. You've got to win the battle before you play your football. And uh, they had a really you know scrappy at the back first half an hour yesterday and conceded two goals to Maidstone, who, with respect, only created about four chances in the whole game and took two of them. And, and meanwhile, it was just wave upon wave of Dawkins attack. But uh, across the whole game, they somehow only managed to score the one goal. Um, they hit the upright. They had a, a triple chance, um, literally blocked twice by the keeper. And then the third shot came in and hit the back of one of the, their own players that was in front of the goal. It was it was a, a, a tragedy, really. And uh, I, I did send you guys the link to Mark White's interview after the game yesterday. It was eight minutes long. There was a lot of effing, a lot of blinding. Um, and his real hurt, his real pain was that um, they've exited a cup that is one of the very few cash cows this season. There's no income coming into clubs. And that was the point that Mark White, Mike, Mark White made, um, that, that really the players had let down everybody else at the club, the hardworking committee and everything else as well. You know, that, that they were relying on getting a bit of income from this trophy and... Um, yeah, credit to Maidstone. They obviously stayed in the game. They got the job done. Um, they gave away a penalty 2-1 up, which um, Jason Pryor had just come onto the pitch and he stepped up to take it. And I thought it was a decent penalty, but Constable got down low to his right and, and made a fantastic save. And that's the save that effectively kept Maidstone uh, United uh, in the uh, FA Trophy. Loved the game. It was lovely to watch a game without any emotional involvement uh, and one that was so open and attacking end to end. On the, on the streaming issue, Rob, I think it's, streaming is probably one of the most mentioned words during the 2020-21 season, isn't it? And I think there's awards for programmes and things like that. There should be an award for best stream um, this season, best club stream, because in all seriousness, it, it, that is the way that, that fans are, are watching their, their clubs at the moment. And I've noticed a lot of back and forward on Twitter and a lot of away fans complimenting home team streams and commentators and things like that, and vice versa, you know, and a lot of uh, away, <laughs> away sides saying, what the hell is this stream going on? I can't even, I can't even watch it. It's, um, almost, it's got to be a new competition this year for the best streams. It's, that, yeah. you know, I feel sorry for a club when they've generally got a good one, but they have a bad day and it's against a big club and then everybody's talking about it and it puts other people off. But um, no, it, it really deserves an award in itself this season because let's face it, you know, often voluntary media people have had to suddenly become TV producers overnight. Um, you know, we at Aldershot, they've been really, really ambitious. We have a, an hour and a half studio programme before the game gets started and uh, we get some good guests in. We try to get a guest and interviews from the opposition. Um, you know, we've had our technical issues too. Hopefully they're behind us now, but... Um, it's certainly been an eye-opener um, and uh, one of the worst things you can do, and I'm sure any fans listening to this will relate to this one, is watch your team play on a live stream and still have your score notifications on because I'm telling you now, nine times out of ten, you're going to see there's been a goal in your game before it actually happens. 
Right, that that's that's settled then, boys. Uh, NL full time um, streaming award at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, de- oh, definitely, yeah. And we'll we'll get them on to talk about it because it'd be interesting to hear the logistics behind. Well, some people might not be interested in it, but you know the work. I don't think people like you say, Rob, will realise the work and time and effort that have been put into doing it. It's huge. It's huge. You take again. I can only talk about the example I know. But Aldershot Town, Mark Butler is a, the, the club's um, all-time top scorer from from back when the, the new club got going back in the early 90s. He's so passionate about the club. He's the commercial manager now and has been for a few years. Um, and literally overnight, it turned into a TV presenter, you know, and he's done a really, really good job of it. Um, he's got some good contacts in the game. We've had a lot of the old favourites come back to join as guests. Um, and I, I had to pinch myself. I think it was the second game we did, and I just thought, "Wow, we're, we've got a t- we've got a TV studio here now, a really good TV production company involved." Um, and from a media point of view, it's exciting. But let me tell you, as exciting as it is, as groundbreaking it is, just give me that place back in the media box with the ISDN line out there on the pitch, com- watching, commentating. Um, over all of this and, and f- with fans in the ground. Sorry, the vital one I missed out there uh, any time. Just as well, I mean, you talk about sort of Mark White mentioning the income streaming and it's a good point. Again, it's going back to should the FA Trophy take place, should teams take it seriously? And this year, I think they should take it seriously whether they're, at, they're seen as a big club or not because I know the money's not quite as much as the FA Cup, but if you get two or three rounds, it's it, it's enough to keep you the club going till the end of the season at least yeah it's a really good point really good point even if the fans like so if the fans can't get in until towards the end of the season that money's there and it's almost for a rainy day as well then if there is another catastrophe you've got it and these teams that big teams that poo poo it and go oh well we shouldn't be playing it this year I mean it's it's an income stream at the end of the day when else apart from maybe if you get a good cut run or you get on BT a few times. When else like, are you going to kind of get not free money as such because you've got to win the game, but somebody giving you say fifteen grand for winning a game this mm. year? The other game, <laughs> the other the final game in the trophy was Oxford City. They got through after falling two 0 behind against Haringey. Uh, Joe also got one, and then there was two goals from. Jacob Bancroft there, and then Elliot Belly, Elliot Bengin, Elliot 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 You've got a new nickname. Elliot 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 Bengin got the final goal there to see Oxford City through. Uh, the rest of the trophy ties were called off because of the the cold weather. It's fair to say, and uh, that's a lot of the the case in the north as well. Let's turn our attention now to league action, and in the National League, there was only one game on in the end. It was Wrexham against Dover and um, massive win in the end for Rex and we know Dean Keats has been under pressure but if the bottom side Dover had gone there and got something out of the game there would have been uh, there would have been immense pressure on them and for a while it was looking that way wasn't it? They did well for an hour Dover um, they went behind on the half hour to uh, a Reese Hall Johnson strike and uh, Akeem Rose hasn't scored many but uh, um, he did get Dover level just before half time, and they stayed in it really until the hour mark when F- uh, Fieka Kelleher uh, put uh, Wrexham back ahead again, and then uh, a penalty from Luke Young sealed the deal late on. Yeah, uh, uh, another massive three points for Wrexham. It's one of those three points that catapulted them up about seven or eight places in the National League table. 
Do you know, boys, there are two points now between sixth place and I think it was uh, 16th or 15th or something. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, uh, yeah, Matt, it will feel like an even bigger three points, Chris, for, for Rex and won't it? The fact that nobody else played. Yeah, absolutely. It was eight places, I think, they moved up yesterday. And um, that is why it was so big, wasn't it? Not only that, they're obviously playing the bottom of the the, uh, the league side, so they'll be expected expected to win. Um, Fikra Kelleher got his first Rex, Wrexham goal. And the other thing was that Wrexham, a bit like Notts County, as we were discussing earlier, hadn't played for, for 19 days since they were beaten by uh, Stockport County over the Christmas period as well. So... Yeah, real huge three points for them. And they, they benefited from not being in uh, trophy action yesterday. In the National League South, there was some some big games. They haven't, as we mentioned, got through in the FA Trophy, but they also played a league game in the same day, where, uh, as we covered before they got through because of a walkover against Altrincham. But they entertained Eastbourne Borough, and it didn't go quite as well for them in the National League South, did it? No, it didn't. Look at the goal scorer, both of them for Eastbourne in that game. The evergreen Chris Welpdale, it just goes on and on, doesn't he? It's unbelievable now. In between that was a bed centi uh, Gomez leveller just before the hour mark. But uh, uh, a huge three points for Eastbourne Borough and uh, a bit a slip up that Haven and Waterlooville would not have been expecting or, or, or wanting yesterday. Um, you know, in these times when only limited amount of games get played. It's so crucial to keep a little bit of momentum and they didn't manage to do it, unfortunately. And so they remain just outside the playoff places. And, uh, you know, for Eastbourne, wow, um, amazing. They're just in them. It was a huge, huge, huge game for the sides on the fringes of the playoffs. Well done, Eastbourne Borough sat in seventh place this morning. Yeah, Dartford remained top, although they've had an iffy period over the last couple of weeks. They only drew 1-1 at home to Hungerford, as we said, inform Hungerford. And in the end, they ended up cancelling each other out. They did, but, uh, you know, there's a big difference. You, I mean, it, it obviously wasn't going well for Dartford yesterday. Hungerford uh, leading until almost the hour mark with a, a Craig uh, Fasson made goal. And, uh, um, you know, for Steve King... <sighs> He would not wanted to, to give up three points to Hungerford yesterday and, and to get level and peg them back to and get themselves a point probably will have been uh, of some relief to him. Although, obviously, I haven't seen the story of the game, but uh, I'm sure if knowing, knowing King as we do, he'll probably be telling you why he's furious that his side didn't win. That gave a chance for Hampton to take advantage. A good day for Hampton. Uh, Tom's not with us, but I can tell you he was he was very happy with the result and he's also got a couple of interviews for you coming up. But he said it was a fantastic effort from the ground staff to get the game played. Uh, the, the pitch was, quarter of the pitch was underwater at 10am in the morning. Uh, Hampton did need a win as we know their home form has been a bit iffy this year, but absolutely with a perfect side for that, having only won one in six, but they have played a lot of the top sides and he described the first half as stodgy, but absolutely played the better stuff. And the second half, Mario Villette, who we've heard from before and we'll hear from shortly, he signed on Jill Reg from Wingate and Finchley this week and he scored a lovely little goal before it looked like it was going to go west as Michael West equalised, but in the 94th minute, David Fisher got a winner when he met a Jake Gray cross to head in the winner. Ebsley will feel hard done by. They did play the better football, but it was Hampton who won the day in the end. And Tom caught up with Mario Vallette after the game. I'm joined by Mario Vallette uh, just after his goal-scoring debut for Hampton and Richmond Borough. Uh, Mario, how good is it to be back out playing football again? It's about time. I've missed football for way too long now. 
it's just nice to be back out there and running and actually playing a, an actual game. So, yeah, I'm over the moon, to be fair. You've been with Wingate and Finchley since you left Barnet. Mm-hmm. Um, was the step up again back from Eastman League back to the National League noticeable today? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, just a little bit more quality, quite a bit more intense, slightly more intense. A little bit, I wouldn't say too much quality-wise, because you do get quite a few players down down in the league, uh, the Eastman League. But yeah, it was it's definitely a, a little bit of a step up and I'm relishing it. And uh, obviously you know Gary McCann from before, you had mm-hmm. a loan there. How important was the fact that Gary's here in your decision to come to Hampton? One of the key points, um, I, he'd tried to get me beforehand and he's always showed interest and I've known him and I know the type of way he likes playing, which also suits me. And not only that, I've, I know a few of the boys down here as well who kind of put, persuaded me as well to come down. And then once I come down and trained, it made up my decision anyway. And then the final question, um, obviously it's your first game today. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the Hampton squad? Do you think that they can push on and, um, and challenge for the playoffs and promotion yeah, this season? 100%. Um, Tina likes to play football. We don't really, we don't give up. As you can see, we conceded quite late to make it a draw and we kept our call. Thought that was terrific and then we ended up getting a, getting a winner, so... Yeah, I think we've got enough quality in the side to get promoted. It's just staying on our toes and working hard week in, week out. And that was Maro Vallette. And we're going to hear from the absolute boss who was appointed at the start of the season. It is the German manager, Dennis Kutrib. I'm joined by Dennis Kutrib, the uh, absolute United manager. Um, Dennis, a hard game today. thought both teams left it all on a, a very difficult pitch. Um how gutting was it when that final uh, 92nd minute winner went in? Yeah, that's terrible. So, well, very uh, devastated. Uh, it's yeah, For me, it's embarrassing. So even with the draw, I would not be happy because I found we were the better side to get a better chances cleared off the line here. For me, it was a clear goal. Don't know how it could be offside, um, but... Uh, it's gone, so um, that's that's the most complicated thing in football. You can uh, you can moan about things and you can be angry, but it's gone. You can't do anything now. Uh, so we have to prepare for Tuesday to make it better and get three points there. Yeah? Um, and it's it's very obvious that there's a certain way you want to play with this side, and you can see it starting to come together on the pitch. Some of the movement and passing in the final third was very impressive. How difficult has it been to sort of implement those ideas? Yeah, that takes time. So um, I'm happy with the performance from the boys today, but I think the most important thing is to getting points and get the right result. And there we are not where we want to be. So we need definitely more points because we play some good stuff. Um, the, the, I think the bits and pieces come together uh, closer and closer. You can see it. You can see it today. Uh, you could see it on, on, on Tuesday. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how, how good you play football because you need the points and uh, you have to win games. And um, then you get more confidence, you believe more in everything else and uh, then you um, can get a run. And that's what we miss at the moment. We need, a, we need two, three games in a row where we win our games. And I think if we get this one time and be prepared for this, um, then, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk about how we play and where we play. But as you said, that's, that's nice to hear when, when, when you, you see it on the pitch uh, that they play good. And I don't know how many times we are in the box in one game. And um, that's, that's a task and that's an achievement from f- playing football that you get in the box. And I think um, that's impressive how much times we get in the box or how many times we get in the box. But now we have to improve to score goals and um, kill, the, kill the games off, yeah. Um, and 
it's no secret that Ebbsfleet are an ambitious club. Do you think we've potentially seen two of the playoff challenges here today? I can't say at the moment because um, what I see is that there's a stop-start mentality from from the league with one game you can play. Now we play three games in seven days. Other teams didn't play since three weeks, so that's very hard. Um, to get a real feeling where everyone is, so what you, the best thing what you can de- do is uh, grab your points and um, yeah, then you have them and then you will see how it runs um, later in the season. So for me, it's very hard to say at the moment if there are two teams potentially in the playoffs or not because there are so many teams. And in this league, um, what I've learned is everyone can beat everyone. And um, that's that, that's hard. And even yeah, today you can see. Um, for my feeling, we are the much better side, and we deserve the win. But didn't get even a draw. And um, sometimes that's football. It's it's hard to take. But uh, yeah, in German we say we have to stay up and uh, make it better in the next game. And finally, um, obviously you came across from Germany in the summer. Um, was it tennis, Tessa, Tessa Berlin? Tennis Borussia Berlin. Um, and. How have you found the difference between the English non-league game and the, and the German lower tiers? Yeah, there are much more differences. So it's more physicality here from the fitness side. It's much more fitness uh, in the boys and um, yeah, less playing football. Uh, it's not so tactical. Um, Germany is a little bit more tactical. When you are a really fit, fit team, then was a good tactic. Um, you can be successful here. Is, you need much, much more fitness. You need much more physicality. And uh, when you then bring in the uh, ideas from playing football, where you want to play, which areas and everything of this, I think that can work, but um, that needs time, as I said before. So um, there are big differences, but at the end of the day, it's uh, getting results, getting points and being successful. And that was Dennis Kujib. He spoke really well and he'll be looking for Evsfleet to progress up the table. So the other results in the South saw Billy Ricky, Kevin Watson's first game there, a really good appointment there. As we say, Chris, he was, we thought he was a bit harshly treated by Ebsley and he's managed to get his foot back in the door, Billy Ricky, and got a good win against Dulwich. Yeah, he was really impressive with Ebsley, wasn't he? I mean, he, he took uh, he took a real uh, a losing side and he, he added steel and he gradually sort of Nearly got them out of the uh, the, the position that, that they were in, and um, yeah, we thought it was unfortunate to lose his job. But uh, yeah, another challenge, a very interesting club, Billerick, who, who uh, are probably over their uh, tempestuous period, and uh, yeah, he'll he'll do well to um, to do well with them. <laughs> yeah, it was Michael Chambers got the goal, and that man Jake Robinson sealed the deal in the fifth minute of stoppage time, and the other game was Slough against Braintree. A big win there for Slough. Braintree come off a couple of decent results. Ben Harris got a couple there. Moves Slough up to 18th. A bit of a slow start to the season for them, albeit they have only played 11 games. Billericke stay in 16th. And Dulwich, who Billericke beat on Saturday there in 11th. And obviously a 10th. And that win for Hampton Richmond Borough as well moved them up to 5th. Yeah, a, a very slow start. Oh, dear. Dickie would like that one. <laughs> <laughs> it works better in Dickie's accent, actually. Let's look briefly now at the National League North. And in the National League North, due to uh, trophy fixtures and mainly the weather, the, the weather certainly in the east of the country has been uh, blighted by snow and ice. So there was only three games that took place. Uh, we'll look 
at the uh, the FA Cup heroes, we'll call them Charlie. They came back down to earth in midweek, a 2-1 defeat at home to Leamington. And it looked like it was going the same way against Farsley before two late goals secured them the victory. Yeah, um, it, it certainly did. I mean, we've spoken about how Charlie's FA Cup results, and I think I've, I've heard one of the players interviewed, I think it might have been Connor Hall, um, who actually got their win yesterday, speaking about how beneficial the FA Cup results have been on to their league form, which, you know, there's this, you know, we've heard it said before, haven't we, that sometimes, you know, I guess it's the thing of managers go out of a cup competition and say, well, we wanted to concentrate on the league anyway. But, you know, confidence breeds more confidence, doesn't it? And, you know, they've been going well in both. Um, yeah, they, they they looked as if they might be up against it a little bit again yesterday. There was perhaps inevitably going to be a bit of a hangover in that game with, with Lamington in midweek. But, yeah, they showed... Uh, all those qualities again to come behind from 2-1 and, and secure the points yesterday. Really good result. It's moved Charlie into ninth that now and we were saying a few weeks ago that they were doing well in the FA Cup but they were down in, near the bottom and would they stay there? And you confidently said no and so it's proven. I mean, they've, they've still played 16 games so they've still played a few more games than the other teams around them but they're only one point off the, the playoff places now. In fact, they're only out of it on goal difference really. Yeah, and I think the, what Charlie have done, I mean, um, it gives you that um, evidence of, you know, what what a a good run of results can do in this league. It can really, you know, surely were, I think they'd got one win in something like maybe six games at the start of the season, um, and and it's been hugely beneficial to them. Um, you know, really really positive yesterday. Jamie Vermiglia will be, you know, thrilled. I'm sure that you know they've shown the character to come back from from being behind. Um, one of the players that they've taken on loan actually to to uh, boost their numbers a bit. Andy Owens got their goal in the first half, replying to Jimmy Spencer's goal. But then Spencer put um, Fosley Celtic ahead before the interval. But Harvey Smith, um, and then that man Connor Hall again. He can seem to do no wrong at the moment. He scored a, a late winner. I believe a lot of the goals were crosses from Elliot Newby, friend of the program. So um, he, he's. Um, yeah, shining at the moment. Yeah, I think it was his cross for for one of the the two goals last week. So, and, and this is another thing about Chorley's run. You know, they, they they've deliberately assembled a much younger um, squad of players this season, and you know they're putting themselves in the shop window. I think I'd read. Uh, I don't know if it's um, any basis in fact, but there was a suggestion that I think it was Ross County had expressed an interest in Harry Cardwell, the centre forward. The players that surely are putting themselves in the shop window this run, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Absolutely, and I know after we did the podcast last week, I noticed Adele um, replied to them singing a song last week with a, a heart emoji on there. So uh, it may well it may well get re-released, as you said, with the Charlie Squad as backing singers or something. But, yeah, yeah, I did actually. I, I didn't. I was really obviously I wasn't well enough to come on the podcast last week, but but. Um, you know, dropped a call to, to Jamie Vermiglio, who very kindly came on. I think I did suggest to him in the text that I'd sent that Charlie are probably getting more royalties for singing Adele's songs than she is at the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they, Charlie moved just above, they're just above Gateshead in the table. Uh, it was a late kickoff at the International Stadium yesterday. It wasn't on TV or anything like that. It was, it was to give the pitch at the International Stadium time to thaw out due to the snow and ice up there. And it was a very, very late winner against Geisel in the end. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it's it, it's a great uh, 
result for for Gateshead to to pull out a winner. Ninetieth minute goal from Macaulay Langstaff. I think that read that was Gateshead's first game of twenty twenty one. Actually, they hadn't actually played. Yeah, but a heartbreak for Geisley at the same time. You know, and if there's a ninetieth minute winner, you know, one side's going to be delighted, and then the other side's always going to be left pretty despondent. They would have thought that they'd got through you know, almost the entire game and we're going to be going back to Yorkshire with at least a, a point for their efforts and, and they go home empty-handed. But yeah, that, that just keeps Gateshead um, in touch. It's just really, really difficult. You know, when teams aren't playing regularly, I've said this thing about form, you can look at form tables and, you know, it might suggest that a team has, you know, picked up points in like five of their last six or four of their last six, whatever. But those games can be spread out over the space of like a couple of months or so. So how much that really means, um, you've just got to take every game on its merits. I know it's such an old cliche, but yeah, we're in such a strange season, aren't we, that, that, that you, you've got no choice but to do that. And what a good common sense decision, eh, to uh, to start the, the match a little bit later. And what I was just going to say, I'm getting really worried by all these common sense decisions that Curzon, the game was swapped to play at Telford. That match kicked off late. Something's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there's a recognition amongst clubs, isn't there, that, you know, they're all facing a difficult situation, potentially with fixtures piling up, etc. Um I get the feeling that clubs would, I can't imagine that clubs would want to be going down the route of, of things being settled on PPG again. They'd like to, you know, get the season finished and, and, and all the games played since they've started it. Um, and yeah, you're right, Chris, you know, it, it does seem to be an outbreak of common sense. I think early in the pandemic, you know, in, in sort of October time, there was a little bit of, I sense there was maybe a little bit of friction between clubs at times over sort of like competing priorities and things like that. But but there seems to be um, a little bit more of a common consensus about, about about things now. And yeah, I mean, that's an eminently sensible decision if, you know, it's not affecting spectators because there are no spectators. Exactly. In the I was going to say that in, in a way it is easy with the fans not being in. That is one advantage that you can do something like that at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you haven't got to consider, you know, the the, the travelling or or any spectators being there, um, you know, it might it's some perhaps something of an inconvenience for them to that you know that the game is going to kick off later if they're going to watch it on a live stream or whatever. Um, but I think most people would put up with that, and I think most people would understand that the situation that clubs find themselves in. I say we'll we'll touch on the. The, the the third game of the day in there, the, the one I was at, but it was a very similar situation in that um, Curzon Ashton couldn't get the game on because uh, they'd got uh, heavy rain on their pitch, which had then frozen. Um, and I think it was only at about 24 hours notice they, they switched the fixture to Telford. And um, yeah, both games just, both teams just want to get the game played. Yeah, and it was an entertaining one-one draw in the end, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a bad game, um, and you know you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Curzon Ashton for the way they went about their business there. Um, and uh, as you'll hear when I spoke to their manager Stephen Cunningham afterwards, he was, um, yeah, pretty satisfied with the point. A one-one draw for AFC Telford United and Curzon Ashton today at the New Books Head in a, a game that was actually flipped from. Um, 
your stadium and I've got uh, manager Stephen Cunningham with me. What's your feelings about the, the whole weekend? Yeah, fantastic effort from um, Telford as a football club uh, to rearrange at short notice. Um, I've just said to our social guys, you know, any football club that does what we our two clubs have done, it, it's a lesson for all because uh, it's not easy, especially this level of football, to put a game of football on within what from eight o'clock last night. Um, and we've been uh, given great hospitality. The pitch is in good condition. Considering I think the, chair, uh, the uh, groundsman was here, was it till ten o'clock last night? So, uh, fantastic effort from the club, and we thank them as our club um, because you know we just want to play football matches. Um, and I think hopefully the people that bought the stream at late notice have, have enjoyed it a good uh, good battle. Does it affect your preparations any? The fact that you you end up playing away from home when you're expecting to play at home. No, not at all, because we have a set way that we're trying to play now. We're still a, a new team. Um, we're still learning as a group. Uh, we're working on things. So home and away doesn't really affect us because we're still working on a shape and a style of play. And um, we, we'd obviously prepared for the game to play um, Telford, so it wasn't like it was any surprises. It, it's a piece of grass to us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, how are you finding your, your first experience of managing at, at this level? Because, I mean, it, it's a weird season to sort of like be... You know, your, your first season uh, uh, with Curzon Ash and how are you finding it overall? Yeah, I love it. I really do. I, I'm a bit gutted at the same point because I feel like I've really worked hard as a young manager coming through the ranks of North West County's level to get this opportunity because I think sometimes there's a big circle and a big pot of managers that they seem to get the jobs, you know, it's a, a rotating uh, conveyor belt. So for Curzon to take a gamble and give me the job, even though I've only come from, say, Colne, um, they recognise the effort and the work I put into it. Um, that's hopefully showing. Um, I'm disappointed when I say I was gutted and disappointed. It's more the, the experience that I've always seen. When you see this level and you see a stadium, say, like Telford's now, and it's packed to the rafters with fans and Chester away and New York City away, you know, that's what I've... You always say you want to play at the highest level you can. I want to manage at the highest level I can, and this is this is this level at the minute for me. But you want to experience it in the full entirety, and have a lot of fans shouting and screaming at me from the sidelines and stuff because I love that. That's what I'm about. So other than the missing of the fans, and I don't say that like everyone's chucking it out there. Let's let get fans in. We we do, but in a safe manner. But for me, as an experience, I'm just missing that one little bit. Uh, but other than that, um, I, you know, I've been treated very well by a lot of the managers, uh, players. I'm getting used to new um, relationships and, and good banter with opposition players, and it's a good challenge every week. But it's tough and stressful at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you brought in some experience as well, didn't you, to sort of like help with that as well. In uh, thinking of like players like Paul Turnbull, you've you've been around and big influence on your dressing room. Massive. I think it's important that when I first started, I only had Robbie Evans and Cam Mason left in the changing room from last year's team and squad. Um, so you know when you look at how young we were when we first started we, we knew we wanted an identity but we knew that with the budget constraints and the challenge that the club had set me I took this job full, fully knowing what I was stepping into and the club made it no secret so when players started to become available we're thinking we won't get them players and little things just start happening and you think wow we, we've got a Paul Turnbull we've got a Robbie Evans we've got say a Sam Walker and they start being a little bit of glue and they stick to each other so Dan Cowan coming in now and you know even Arbol today who come off the bench a fantastic addition for us because he's coming virtually on the cost of nothing to come and play with his mates and, and I love that because we've got good characters now but young players that are going to be able to like Alex going to, like, uh, to be looked after and thrive under, the, under their leadership I suppose it's possibly a benefit of that. I think in this division, maybe about three or four seasons ago, I think there were six teams in the Greater Manchester area, and there's probably only yourselves now, if I'm thinking. So, for players who still want to play semi-professional, when you know you've got Stockport, who've, you, you know full-time, etc., yeah. you've perhaps been able to benefit a little from picking up players who, who, who 
you know, want to stay at this level? Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a rumour going around we're called um, Curzon County, uh, which is brilliant. I love it. And to be fair, I think the relationship with Curzon and Stockport over the years has always been there um, in terms of loaning a player or a friendly. Um, but supporters have really got behind uh, my, my appointment. Um, they, they obviously like the way I come across on social media, and we have bad, I have private messages from county fans. It's brilliant, um, and they've really supported us. But that comes off the back of signing last year's captain, who's just recently won their league. So then Sam Walker, and he was also a bit of a club legend. So we, we, we're not daft. There's a bit of you know we're trying to attract the best players that maybe have just been let go for circumstances that they may be just not required there. But as a club like Curzon. We're, we're like I'm knocking on people's doors and waiting until six in the morning until the answer. Um, there's some of the stuff I've tried to do to get these players. I tell you, um, but no, it's great. We've got some fantastic people, and, and we have been fortunate. Um, but we are a very good club, and I think people don't see that. And I know things like the funding sometimes gets brought up, and clubs like Curzon shouldn't get it, but they don't see that the real effort. We work uh, two or three times harder than, say, a club like, say, Telford because we don't have the big fan base. We've got to try and generate money to still get a team that's going to be competitive. And I think now people have seen the fruits of that, that the hard work that my directors, uh, chairman, vice chairman, and uh, our board of directors are really putting in behind the scenes and helping me try and create something new for Curzon. And, and hopefully you've seen that again today. Yeah, and I suppose just coming back to today to close, you happy with the point in the end or, or maybe hoping you could have got a bit more? A little bit disappointed that we were winning 1-0 and then we've, we've conceded off a set piece because I thought first half we were totally dominant I thought we were a very very good first half but we've not took advantage of that pressure second half it was a second it, it was a game of two halves it was all in there in our half really we had a couple of breakaways but other than that um, if we'd have won it in the end I think we'd have stole it so I think a, fair, a draw was a very fair result He's done a decent job there Stephen Cunningham hasn't he since, uh, since the start of the season he's moved up two divisions and Telford obviously will be disappointed not to have won at home, but Curzon, if anything I know from Steve Cunningham's teams, is that they're difficult to break down, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they they do present a formidable barrier, and they've got a good goalkeeper behind them in in Cameron Mason as well. Um, and yeah, Telford were very much in need of a of a positive result. They they're winless now in six games in the league, and I think there's only a couple of draws in there. So as, as Gavin Coward admits, they've had a pretty horrendous December period punctuated by that you know utterly bizarre 10-1 win in the FA Trophy and then you look at the rest of the results they've got um, <clears> that they seem to be a team of extremes at the moment and I think it was very much the same way in the first half yesterday Telford didn't really show very much at all um, but there wasn't much in it Curzon took the lead in the 39th minute um, through a Dominic Knowles goal after a, a, a slip in the Telford defence let Ar- Alex Curran into cross um, and yeah it looked like things might be going the same way for them again but they, they made a change at half time um, brought Jason Oswell on um, up front and, and just that added physicality that, that he, he brought to proceedings just seemed to get things going moving in the right direction for Telford again he equalised on 69 minutes they could have pinched it I think uh, Curzon Ashton could have pinched it late on as well with a with a header from the substitute uh, Craig Hobson, but yeah, overall I think a, a point was uh, fair for both sides. Brilliant. Uh, well, that is it. Thank thank you very much to Rob and to Chris and to Dicky for joining us this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms. Uh, look after yourselves, and we'll see you all very soon. 